Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Steve Letarte, STP auto expert and former crew chief. I know what it takes to keep engines performing at their best. STP's latest breakthrough additive, STP Ultra 5-in-1 plus Fuel System Cleaner plus Fuel Stabilizer delivers three times the amount of cleaning agents versus premium gasoline and helps keep fuel fresh during storage. For over 60 years, STP has been on the cutting edge developing products to help engines run better, longer. One bottle contains three times by weight the amount of cleaning agents compared to 20 gallons of the leading premium gasoline. Greetings. Welcome to the NASCAR and NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan. We've got a slightly different approach this week. Our guests are Clint Boyer and Greg Biffle. We had sit-downs with both at Kansas Speedway for NASCAR America, and I thought the interviews went well enough that we could use the audio in podcast form. These are two drivers that are in similar situations, but not necessarily similar outlooks. They both are past runners-up in the championship standings, Uh, and they have won several times in NASCAR's Premier Series. But this year, both are ranked in the mid-20s in the points and are nearing the end of simply the worst seasons in their Sprint Cup careers. But yet, they're they're in different places. Boyer is headed to replace Tony Stewart in the number 14 next season at Stewart Haas Racing, taking over what he feels is the best opportunity he's ever had in NASCAR. And Biffle, meanwhile, will turn 47 during the offseason after completing his 14th season in Sprint Cup at Roush Fenway Racing. And he's typically blunt and candid about his team's struggles and the challenges of trying to fix them. So we talked to the drivers about what this season has been like, as well as what is ahead for both. I think you'll hear quite the dichotomy there. Boyer naturally is looking ahead with, with great optimism and his typical enthusiasm. Uh, Biffle is more reflective of what has happened over the past 18 years and perhaps what lies ahead and, and how much longer he, he wants to keep doing this. So uh, we appreciate you listening. If you're hearing us via iTunes, please leave a rating or review or please subscribe or have your friends subscribe. It really helps us out. There are many other options uh, for finding us. Audioboom, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify. Also check out those places for the NBC Sports Podcasting lineup. There's always great content there. The Pro Basketball Talk podcast just had an interview with Philadelphia 76ers coach Brett Brown. That's worth checking out. And the Pawscast had another of its classic draft episodes. This one was ranking Halloween candy. I think you'll enjoy that. 
NASCAR will be in Talladega Super Speedway with Sprint Cup this weekend. The broadcast schedule is easy. Everything is on NBCSN. Friday practice, Saturday qualifying, Sunday the race. Just keep it on NBCSN all weekend for coverage of the race that will determine which drivers advance to the round of eight. And a reminder, all of our NASCAR coverage always available for streaming via the NBC Sports app. You can download that to your tablet or smartphone or watch on your laptop. So let's get to the conversations with Clint Boyer and Greg Biffle, which were taped in a front stretch suite at Kansas Speedway on Friday, October 14th. You'll notice some background noise in the interview from the ARCA cars that were practicing below us, providing some some ambiance, uh, but I don't think it's too distracting. I think it, it provides a nice little little backdrop. So you'll hear that as we get started now with our interview with Clint Boyer. Clint, let's start with where we always do when you come back to Kansas Emporia. You yeah. have a big charity event there. Uh, what was that like, just being the king of the hometown like you always are? You know, it's just surreal, really. Um, came back this year, did a little bit different venue. We always have done a golf tournament, um, dinner auction and a concert. Um, just decided to do it just to dinner and reached out to Guy Fietti, had some friends of his um, from the Kansas City area came and did like a cooking demonstration, cooked phenomenal food. It was the best barbecue you've ever had. Imagine that come from Kansas City <laughs> and uh, um, had a good time. And, and that's what those charity events for me is all about, you know. And, inviting family and friends, people of the community, people of, from the NASCAR community, um, they all combine and, and uh, the auction items, you know, everybody does such a great job of donating uh, not only their time but these auction items that go for big money and, and it's just so much fun. It's one of those things where you would literally pay to do it and, and you know, and, and at the end of the day it, it just, it's a success and always makes more than the, the year prior. And, that always makes you nervous because like, how are we ever going to back that? And, 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 and we do, you know, and did it again this year. Um, had a lot of peers of mine come for right. the first time. Uh, Biffle and Kenseth and, and Kane, Dylan, um, Burton, the NBC guys, Latard and, and Rick Allen kind of emceed a, um, a fun, you know, little Q&A. It was just fun, man, and, and, you know, raised a lot of money for the community, which is so important to me. Um, couldn't ask for a better night. That's a long way for all those guys to come to Emporia. Yes. To help you out the night before. The, I did send a plane after them. Okay. <laughs> so there was that, but uh, hey, you know, anytime, you, you hate to ask. Yeah. You know, you respect those guys. You appreciate everything that they do. You know that their time is so valuable because you live it every day, and, and, you know, you're always scared and reluctant to ask, but those are some of my closest guys, you know, on, on, on the circuit, and um I'm sure I'll pay for it. Is, is a night like that and a week like this where you get to be home just a rejuvenation for what's been obviously a tough season for you on track? A nice it getaway? certainly is, you know, and, and um, fun, man. You know, yeah. it's, it's anytime you, you're in trying times, it's not fun. It's a lot of work and it's, it's hell, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, and you, it's, it's really hard to dig yourself out of that. And you have something like that. It just opens your eyes. There's more to life more to uh, um, certainly more than, than, you know, what's on that racetrack and the product every Sunday. It's, it's um, you know, friends and family and, and being able to, uh, to give back all those things. It's, it's, it was, a, you know, definitely a, a spark for me and came at a good time. Yeah. You know, we're, we're 
capping off this season. Um, a lot of things, talk and, and excitement for next year. You're always starting to, already starting to think about those things. You're, you have to. Everybody in the garage area is. You know, whether I was going somewhere else or staying where I'm at, you're already working to next year, and that always gets you, you know, your wheels cranked up again because you're thinking, all right, man, we were, you know, we did this wrong. We could do that better next year. There's always those things in the back of your mind. So I can't wait. But especially this year, considering what you're stepping into, I, yeah. I heard you say you've already started to get merchandise approvals for what the four. Yeah, you like, know, I mean, yeah. an email comes across your phone, you look at it, and it's like a hat approval for with a 14 on it. You're like, yeah. this is real. This is going to happen. Yeah. So you've got a son who just turned two. You've got a daughter on the way in December. You've got these great charity things happening. It seems like and you've got that great ride waiting for you. Everything's going well right now, except on the track for yeah. the most part. Is it, is it tough to kind of focus on this season and not get ahead of yourself and think about all this great stuff that's coming? It is. You know, one of the things, and I give Steve Attican credit, he just thought, let's change something, you know, and he put Jay Guy in there as a crew chief, and it really, it did help, you know, and I don't think our results didn't didn't change a bit, but, you know, the guys are beat up. They work so hard. These, these teams like this, those guys back there in that garage area, you know, you look all the way down there, they work five times as hard as the guys up front. You know, there's there's 40 people that are doing the same job 500 people do somewhere else, you know, I mean, literally. You know, so um, they have to work twice as hard. You have to take care of, of your equipment because there isn't a fleet uh, um, standing behind you you can just pull from and, and head back to the track, you know. Uh, um, you know, but the thing is, is you've got to be able to take things from anything in life. And, and man, I've learned so much. I learned a lot about myself, um, you know. You get down, man. You get you get roughed up, and it's it's challenging. You expect it's you know frustration sets in, anger sets in, and, and you bite, and you're like, man, take a break here, you know. And it makes you think about, you know, your attitude and what that does, and, and things like that. And, and you know, that's it's, it's helped me. It'll help me be a better racer for Stuart Haas in the future, and and uh, certainly learned a lot this year. Has it improved a little bit? In April, you said you were just, at Texas, you said you were miserable, but it seems like yeah. you've been happier lately. Well, I mean, we were, we were running way better. Mm-hmm. You know, back then, we were racing our way four, five, six laps down, you know? I mean, we're, we're finishing on the lead lap. We're, we're competitive. We're passing cars, you know? We were off to a terrible start. It was really, really rough. Um, was struggling to get help and, and support and, and get all the things lined up everybody's scrambling you know the schedule sucks for that situation as a you know a two-car team like that on on you know um, a limited program I mean it, it is hard it's hard for the big teams with with unlimited resources it's it's extremely hard those first few weekends because you head out west you got what you have you're not going to come home you're not going to tweak on this tweak on that you're not going to find something in the computer to make you better you've got what you got you got to get out there assess where you are just like always usually you get out there and you're decent and you're like mm, we can change little things here give and take you know put a little more emphasis in in one area and that's what we're going to need and we'll be fine moving on there it was like oh no you know what what do we do yeah. you know and and um Stuart Haas did, did step up and, and helped us and, and you know it's Addington was getting more of what he needed you know and the results started to get better and, and we were finishing on that lead lap and you know getting the top 20s got some top 10s you know had some solid runs so um, that's the hardest thing when you've come from from winning races consistently being a top 10 contender consistently running for a championship at the end of the year um, and then you're just not 
you know, it's it's hard. Yeah. I mean, there, there ain't no way around it. It's it's a hard thing to swallow. It's it's uh, you know, you take a lot of pride in, in having a record like that. And, and you know, you go uh, to Sonoma, you know, where you've yeah. had so much success, and four laps in, you know, you're you're out with a, a, a part failure. It's just those are the things that that are gonna you're gonna learn from, and you're gonna be able to take to a, a better, you know, uh, Clint Boyer in the future. Right. I know you guys don't race for fame. You race yeah. because you love it. You race for success. But you said it earlier this year. You were talking about how, you know, when you run mediocre, nobody talks about you. Does it's that, relevancy. You know, I, does I, I, that I get saw, you? Yeah. Believe it or not, I was read something a long time about Kid Rock. You know, and and it's 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 that's what he said. It's all about you know consistently staying relevant, and you have to be that in anything in in professional you know show business, whether it's a race car driver, a musician, anything. And and when you're not, you know, you go over to the media center, and all those seats aren't filled up. You know what I mean, like they were. And and you know that's. But I'm telling you, that's a good reminder. And it puts you in your place, and it makes you work harder to make sure when you come back here next time, you're not only have those people's attention, you have these fans' attention, and, and hopefully you're up here celebrating a win with them. So you don't ever want to go through a season like this again. But <laughs> was it a good character builder then? It sounds uh, like absolutely. you've learned a lot. I mean, that's yeah. the thing is, you know, and it, it's the biggest thing is is those guys working on that car. You know, they work hard. Um, you watched a guy. You know, they're scrambling, they're digging, they're doing everything they can do. Broke his hand the other day, you know, still at the at, at the track working, and you're like, man, that's that's impressive for anybody. Um, that that shows that they're they're committed, their drive and, and determination is there, and that's all you can ever ask for out of any program. Right. You mentioned Jay Guy. Has he been serving kind of as the de facto crew chief the last few weeks? Yeah, yeah. it's you know, and it's all. You know, nobody knows what the future holds. Um, you know, with those, with the team, with those guys, and anything else. And you know, I, I'm I'm happy that he's he stepped in. He's been, uh, you know, very, very, uh, you know, had a game plan, a very organized game plan. Helped everybody. The communication has been really good. And and you know, I think that will, you know, play dividends when he is is looking for whatever the future holds for him, you know, whether it's a crew chief role at, at Harry Scott or somewhere else, you know, I think uh, um, he's done a good job stepping into that situation and, and you know, doing good with it. Have you um, talked much yet with Zipidelli and Bugaravich about next season? Yeah, obviously. Yeah, you know, that was the cool thing about Booga is I didn't have to, you know, it's been so, so much of the last four or five years, whether it was with sponsors with with teams with with personnel you know you just had so much to do with a lot of those things um they don't ask for that you know they don't they don't need it and it's like holy cow yeah. you know i'm not gonna show I'm gonna, I'm gonna show up and do my job and i think that'll be enough you know i don't have to worry about anybody else's jobs i don't have to worry about anybody's but myself and and you know um hold my end of the deal up, you know, and, and I have great teammates moving forward. I have uh, great owners, um, you know, I mean, you just literally 10 years into this game, I got the best opportunity in front of me I've ever had. Right. When is the first time you expect to be in a Stuart Haas car? Ah, that's a good question. You can't you test about anymore. That yeah, I know, right? You know? And that's the thing I remember when I was at RCR, my whole career, never yeah. drove, you know, a heavy stock car in anything other than an RCR car. Um, signed on to this Michael Waltrip thing. We went down to, uh, to Disney World went and, and had this test, scared to death. I'm like, 
what am I, is this thing gonna turn to the corner? What, what's gonna happen, does it feel different? And believe it or not, she turned left just like it was supposed to, didn't feel any different. I mean, the, the ignition switch was on the other side of the dash and what I was used to, but it was my same old seat, pedals are in the same location, steering wheel's in the same spot. She either goes fast or she doesn't. And, and um, it did in 2012, and I think 2017 is gonna do it again. You, you had some concerns, obviously, going, that was a manufacturer switch, team switch. You're doing the same here, but I would think, do you have less concerns about stepping in the 14 because you know what Harvick has, what Kurt Busch has? What well, you just, you know the infrastructure. I mean, I remember 2012 going to MWR. You know, I was, I knew it was, it was the place was set on kill. They were, they were producing fast hot rods on the racetrack, and, and I couldn't wait to get in one. It's the same way, you know, looking back at, at Charlotte here, um, you know, all the Stuart Haas cars qualifying up front. Danica was watching just fast, you know, all, all day long um, in the race, and, and as was everybody else. And those are the things you look at as a race car driver, and you just can't wait to get in that opportunity. Right. Uh, Got to ask you about Cash. Yeah. Who just turned two, and speaking of can't wait to start racing, I've been seeing rumblings <laughs> on social media. Is he going to be racing? I don't know how I can keep him from it. You know, we all laugh because we know you know how many just countless thousands of dollars that our parents spent on us getting us to this dream you know and and, and making this a reality for us they gave uh everything they had you know and and uh, certainly we would do the same for them but i just man if you could convince him a guitar or a set of clubs maybe a you know a baseball bat surely a glove and a bat it's all you have to buy look at his role model i don't think he's gonna race go cars this tires are extremely <laughs> expensive but man Truth be told, you just hope you're in a situation where he can do whatever he wants to do. Cool. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Clint Boyer certainly enjoys parenthood. As we noted, he'll become a father for the second time uh, in December. There's much going on in his life that is good, uh, aside from what has happened on the track this season. But he seems to have weathered it fairly well and, and certainly seems to have emerged with a, a better attitude about racing and life. Uh, I think you'll hear that the same tr holds true for Greg Biffle as well. He's also uh, been able to uh, persevere through what has really been the toughest season of his career. So let's uh, get to that conversation now with Greg Biffle. Greg, you hit 500 starts for your career at Richmond, but you've got another 500 number coming up, 500 consecutive starts at Phoenix, which is a pretty select company in NASCAR. How proud are you to have that kind of staying power? You know, I, it makes me proud to be able to uh, do that, and, and uh, you know, it doesn't seem like 500 starts. It seems like it was just yesterday, but I know uh, McMurray and I are close on, on the starts together, but, you know, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, my dream to be able to race uh, in NASCAR and be able to uh, accomplish 500 starts is something. I was talking to a, a longtime Roush Fenway Racing employee today, and he had lunch with Mark Martin last week, and Mark was reminiscing about how when you joined the team, he was remembering how nat just naturally fast you were. That you might have hit things occasionally, but in terms of like just pure yeah. speed, you were able to outrun him when you joined the team. That was obviously over 18 years ago. When you look back at that and your evolution from back then being a kid who was just joining a team and outrunning yep. a, a legend like that to now yep. where you're the dean of the team, what, what do you think of when you, when you look back on all that? You know, I mean, it was, uh, boy, I look back and think about how much I didn't know you know, coming in and, and how much I learned from Mark Martin and, and Jeff Burton and my other teammates, you know, um, Kevin LePage. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, um, 
a lot of guys. Matt Kenseth, you know, um, we were pretty close in age and, and experience as well. So, um, you know, it was fun to be those guys, uh, teammates with those guys. I remember racing Mark wheel to wheel at Homestead, uh, beating him for wins. And I remember testing here and driving Mark Martin's car. And, you know, Mark Martin was big about going, he wanted to go and get in other people's cars because yeah. he loved going faster than them. And it's funny because after I drove Mark's car a few times, uh, Mark's like, hey, you're not driving my car anymore. <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, because we were both competitive and you don't want a guy getting in your car and going faster than you, you know, so um, I, I enjoyed, I learned so much from those guys and, uh, you know, Randy Goss uh, really pushed me to talk to Mark a lot, you know, call Mark, you know, we haven't been to this track before, so um, he was a guy I leaned on a lot. What would be different if you knew what you knew now then, like, what would have changed? What would have meant? You know, I think um, I think you learn a lot about um, you know how how to go about getting your car as good as you can get it. Things about the racetrack, things that you know, obviously you can't go back in time and know that Arrow was that big of a deal even then. You know, if you could have achieved you know what we're learning now on the on the race car, you know, you could win a bunch of races. So, um, but certainly there's tons of mistakes that that I've made along the way and. And, um, you know, it, unfortunately, there's no other way to do it uh, in your life other than learn from your mistakes. And it doesn't matter who you are. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you're the president of the United States or you're, you know, young kid learning how to drive a race car or, or business guy or whatever. You learn from your mistake and you go, I'm not going to do that again, you know, <laughs> or, or you use that to your advantage on, you know, um, how to make it better. And learning from Mark Martin, we've seen you inhabit that role this year. I know you were helping with, with pit stops and being a leader for, for Trevor and for Ricky. H how have you changed and kind of become more comfortable in that role that Mark played when, when you arrived at the team? You know, um, I'm really comfortable in that role, you know, trying to help. But I think what gets frustrating is I was able to help and make a difference with the pit stops and uh, come and drive the pit stop car and, and recognize we were doing things, you know, probably once I sat and looked at it and kind of analyzed it and, and thought about it, I said, you know, we could do this a different way and it could be better and we could learn more. And so the first time I go down and drive the pit stop car, pit stop practice, I come in the pit box like I normally come in the pit box. And they've been practicing driving straight through all the pit boxes parallel to pit wall and stopping and doing pit stop. That's how they practice it here. And it's not real, not with the experience here. So. You have to practice in the environment that you're pitting in. And so uh, one of my guys came up to me and he said, man, that was a big difference for you driving the car today because I'm used to, not used to the car being way, looking way out there. Right. You know, for, for just the, the way it's going to be car. on Sunday, right? Yeah, yeah. the yeah. way it is every Sunday. Yeah. So let's not do something. And, and you know, things get, you know, you kind of get in a rhythm and get used to doing things, you get used to practicing. And, and uh, so there's a lot of things that, that, uh, you know, I think I want to change and I want to do different, but it was tough, you know, for, I think it's tough for the driver to go in and change a bunch of things inside of a company. Right. You know, and, and people and realign this and that. And we're doing, you know, I think we should do this different and that different and that different. So I've been able to make some influences, but I haven't been able to, you know, um, do all the things that I wish I, you know, could do. 
just because you're not as comfortable with being that kind of forceful? No, I mean, there's kind of management and, you know, there's <laughs> sort of the, yeah, you okay. know, and I'm, I'm not up there on the list. I'm not, you know, I'm not a uh, competition director or, you know, whatever else. So I can only kick and scream so much and push and, you know, get, get, you know, make an influence where I can. Right. Uh, I know you uh, went to Boyer's, Clint Boyer's charity event last night. Um, I've heard you've got a trip to the sand dunes coming up after Texas, perhaps some fishing uh, at Homestead Miami Speedway. I know the season hasn't gone the way you wanted. Are those ways that you just use to kind of escape it? Yeah, it is. You know, um, the thing about it is I'm just so passionate about this, you know, so passionate about driving a car and just want to be competitive. It consumes your life because this is your uh, life. I've done this 19 years into your career. So um, you look forward to those things because those things are fun when things aren't going well here. Um, but you want things to go well here, really. You don't want to mask them by looking at fun things you're going to be doing coming up. So right. uh, this weekend, running good, you know, good off, fast off the truck, uh, first time in a while. That makes you feel good. It kind of puts a pep in your step. But yeah. um, nothing I love more than, than driving a race car and going to the desert, yeah. you know, and playing in the sand dunes and, um, you know, working on those cars. It's a lot of fun for me, you know, so kind of reminds me of this and it's something I can do with no pressure and I enjoy doing it. But it doesn't change your focus. It's not about getting away from this. Here you're just as focused as ever. It's yep. not about like putting this behind you. Yeah, you, you can't change my focus when it comes to this. You could put a, um, you know, you could put a lake in the middle of it and I could go fishing <laughs> 10 minutes before practice or, um, you know, put a sand dune out there. I could go ride on for, you know, right up until practice but when when it comes to focusing and getting in the car and and going over the the setup and what spring and shock and bump stop we have I'm very passionate about that and you know pay attention to it and you know because I want to I want to be the best I want to do the best I can with, with what, we, what we have and there's nothing more frustrating than know you have the ability but you don't have the equipment mm -hmm. and and uh, that, that's been you know that's been tough for the last two three years right. you know see guys that have moved on and uh, I have won races and challenge for championships that, that I was doing better than when, when they were racing with me. Yeah. So it's hard to look at the success that Matt and Carl have and not think, what if I got that chance? You know, it is. Um, but at the same time, I'm, I'm a type of person that, that wants to, you know, work hard and bring the whole organization with me, you know, mm -hmm. to, to be able to compete at the level we need to. Is it tough at all, Greg, that I mean, last season obviously was not the season you wanted, and you guys changed a lot of things this year. Crew chief, aero, car design, um, sims, and I think yep. engineers, and yet, statistically, it's it's a little bit worse than last year. Is that just demoralizing on some levels? Or It is, but if you look at our performance till May, you know, till the Charlotte race, um, we were a lot better. We weren't racing with you know, in, I, I shouldn't use car numbers, we weren't racing 25th to 32nd. Mm -hmm. We were at the end of the season, um, but uh, in 15. And in 16, we weren't. There was a clear step up. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, I mean, a mark on the calendar from that May-Charlotte race to, you know, a race to the bottom. And, you know, that's frustrating when we've made all that progress. And it was a blow to everybody. You know, because it wasn't a clear, like, okay, we, we started doing something different. It, it was, you know, it was kind of mysterious to us, and I think still is to some people, what, what changed, what actually happened. And so um, that really changed uh, the outlook for me 
um, about our ability to to really get you know racing in that top ten. You know, we were well on our way, yeah. well on our way. Yeah. And the speed, um, I know seven DNFs. I guess the adage that speed isn't really indicative. You know, the results aren't really indicative of how well the car was running, I guess, at the beginning. Yeah, there's been some instances where, um, you know, DNFs have, have really cost us. Um, but, you know, we sit in meetings and talk about it. And, you know, we, you know, Trevor and Ricky are as passionate as I am about uh, driving these cars and, and finishing well. And, and we go back and look at our some of the mistakes the drivers make and, and some of the positions we put ourselves in. We're trying to get more than what the car is willing to give us. Yeah. And so you're overdriving, you're putting yourself in those predicaments you don't want to be in to, to try and get a 17th place finish instead of a 23rd place finish. Right. That's a tough spot to be in, to, to put yourself in that position and end up, you know, jeopardizing, wrecking the car. Yeah. Because uh, you really wanted to finish 17th. You know, and you overdrove it, and you were just trying to get more than it was willing to give you that day. I've heard other drivers say it, and I think it's hard for fans to appreciate it, but you never drive harder than when you're running fourth, right? Absolutely. If you've got a good car, you run, it's, yep. everything's great. But. You're driving as hard as you can. doesn't matter where you're running at. Right. You know, you, you truly are. And it's hard for someone to realize that, you know, whether we're running third, 13th, 23rd, or 33rd, you're driving as hard as you can because every point matters. Mm -hmm. You look at the points, how many points behind the guy in front of me am I? I'm not many. And if I'm gonna finish 33rd and I can finish 30th, that's three points closer to that guy. So every point matters no matter where you run. And it, and it doesn't matter, you know? And when you finish in the top five or the top 10 and they're like, oh man, it was a great day, we finished in the top five. Well, he's not happy finishing you know, you're never happy unless you win. Right. But he's happy he didn't finish 25th. You right. know, so there's, you know, some happiness no matter yeah. uh, where you end up. So, um, you know, it's it's a we're always running as hard as we can. So you started the season with three good months and now three not so good months. Yep. Are there are there glimmers of hope you can turn around before next year, or do you, do you almost have to, as you did last year, wait until? 17 to be able to have the reset or whatever you need to do to, to fix things? You know, um, we've got to have a clear plan on getting our cars faster and and to be competitive next year. And uh, we got six weeks left. And uh, if you don't, you don't have a clear cut plan, you're probably not going to be faster next year. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, we're, I think they're developing that plan. But that, that plan has got to be clear and in place and, and ready to you know, get underway because we can't just hope. Hope's not going to make us faster. You know? And no matter what we do, no matter how hard we work and train, we've got to have the equipment. You know, we've got to have the car. Uh, and and you know, it just has to be there. Right. You don't need, need me to tell you that you're the oldest active full-time driver in the Sprint Cup Series. I know you've been reminded of that. Yep. When you won the poll uh, at Daytona in July, you, you were asked about how, how much longer, and you said that, uh, I think about it every day, every year, every race. I want to race forever, but I also realize I want to do other things in life, too. I want to watch my daughter grow up and pursue other things I want to do. Where, where are you during what's been, I think, one of the t maybe the toughest season of your career? Where, where are you now on that yeah. view? I mean, I think that um, I've always said that the day I feel like I can't, uh, it, it, the statement 
holds true, but you have to put it in context. So the day I feel like I can't win races, can't win races, I'm not going to race anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, when I, when someone else can, when someone else can get in that car and perform better than I can, I'm out. Well, I don't believe that's the case. Now, I believe I can't win races today in the uh, cars that we have currently. Mm-hmm. And, and neither can Ricky and neither can Trevor. Um, but we have cars coming down the line and we continue to make them better and better. Now, what I'm saying can't win, I'm talking about qualifying 10th and driving to the front. Right. You know, right. we can take two tires, get track position. Um, you know, we can get a win. Right. Right. But it, it's obvious. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you that, that we're going to run in the top five on Sunday and, you know, potentially win this race. Now, can we win here on Sunday? Absolutely. It's going to take a different set of circumstances, um, you know, that, that's going to put me in position to win. Right. And as a driver, I can get it done uh, in, that, in that car. So that's a convoluted answer. Not really. It makes sense. But I want to win races and be competitive. I don't want to run 25th. And you're convinced that if the cars get there, you can still win. Absolutely. Yeah. No doubt in my mind. Yeah. No doubt in my mind. Matt Kenseth can win. Um, you know, the other guys can win. Uh, Tony Stewart can win. I can win. Have you thought of then again about how many more seasons you think you could do it? You know, I, I'm going to take it a season at a time because I'm here to tell you I'm not going to run 25th. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to run many seasons 25th. And that's, that's, that's going to be the determining factor. So until another Greg Biffle comes along to scare Mark Martin and naturally, <laughs> and until that happens for you, you're not ready to. That's step right. Away. That's right. And, and the door's open. Anybody's welcome to get in that thing, and <laughs> and uh, you lay down a two or three tenths faster lap than than I can, um, you know, or Ricky or Trevor. I think they're the same way. We're more than happy to hand you the keys. One more for you. You said that you, I think it's fair to say you're one of those guys, you don't race for fame. You're not a guy who really worries about the spotlight. But when you go through a couple of years like this where you're outside the chase, is it difficult not to feel, I mean, do you feel less relevant? And is that, does it yeah. wear on you? Yeah, I think you do. And, and here's what makes you feel less relevant. Less relevant is how many laps have I led? You know, don't, I don't care about the win. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you know, I care about the win, but let's just look at how many laps have I led. You know, and, you know, how many times I've run in the top 10 and ran door to door with the, you know, 22 or, or, or the four or somebody else, right? So I think you look at that as being relevant, right? And if you're not doing that, you're just simply not relevant, right. in my opinion. Right. You know, you got to make the chase and, um, you know, you got to make the chase in a manner that is competitive. And you gotta, you know, you gotta make a, a run at it. And that what's, you know, everyone in this sport's relevant, but how relevant right. are you? And you know that that definitely will will uh, weigh on you as well. It doesn't seem like it's affected you as much though. You seem like you're still. That's because I know that when the car's right, we can, you know, we can get the uh, what we deserve, so to speak. You know, when the. When we get the car right, and, and I was really disappointed this last Charlotte race, because in the spring we ran 13th and ran better than that, you know, really the whole race. And so I was excited to go back to um, Charlotte and, and our cars just, you know, we did a lap time study and we're just way off from where we were in the spring. And um, it was, you know, it was, a, it was a blow, 
to us that we'd lost that much speed compared to the field. And so we, you know, we've, we've got to, you know, I think we've got a plan on making our cars better, and that's where we got to focus. Our thanks again to Greg Biffle and also to Clint Boyer for providing some time between practice and qualifying at Kansas Speedway. Thanks as well to Joel Madak for coordinating the interviews and Justin Oppman for a big assist on recording the audio. And thanks, as always, to Tess Quinlan for producing the NASCAR and NBC podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes for automatic downloads of new episodes. As always, NASCAR and NBC podcast also is available on Audio Boom, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify. Any method of listening to a podcast, you are likely are going to be able to find the NASCAR and NBC podcast. Also, check out those places for the NBC Sports podcasting lineup. And if you have ideas for guests, suggestions, questions, you're always welcome to send me send me those on Twitter. I'm at Nate Ryan, so uh, please send me feedback there as well. Uh, thanks again for listening to the NASCAR NBC podcast. We appreciate it and hope you enjoyed it. I'm Steve Letarte, STP auto expert and former crew chief. I know what it takes to keep engines performing at their best. STP's latest breakthrough additive, STP Ultra 5-in-1 plus Fuel System Cleaner plus Fuel Stabilizer delivers three times the amount of cleaning agents versus premium gasoline and helps keep fuel fresh during storage. For over 60 years, STP has been on the cutting edge developing products to help engines run better, longer. One bottle contains three times by weight the amount of cleaning agents compared to 20 gallons of the leading premium gasoline. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because. Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface.